Welcome to the College Football Survivor Show, where playoff survival is always on the line. Here are your co-hosts, Doug Maurice and Shahan Jeharaja. And again, thanks you guys for joining us here on the College Football Survivor Show. We'll direct you to our Apple podcast. It's a bonus episode that Shahan and I did on Tuesday where we talked about the changing of the guard in college football as it relates to Georgia and Alabama and the history of that. But here we are, Shahan, in week two of the college football playoff rankings. We are going to kick a team out of our playoff discussion. And I actually think there's an interesting discussion about who to kick out because there are two candidates that I put out to our Twitter followers about who to kick out. And I was really thinking about it. And I think it's an interesting discussion. We'll, we'll let a team in. And I will say you were on something that I had not considered that has manifested itself that we need to talk about. But first, the rankings are out. And we want to give some credit on this podcast, which you almost were like, well, we were talking beforehand. You're like, well, I mean, I guess, I don't know. They, they got it right, Shahan, in week two. And you want to pat the committee on its collective back. <laughs> Thankfully, the results kind of necessitated it to some extent. Uh, they were saved from their own worst devices of, for example, having to put Clemson in the top four when they're clearly not a good football team. Uh, but, you know, I, I think that you look at especially this top eight. I think that this is exactly right. The one qualm that I'd have is I think that UCLA should be in that group and ahead of Alabama and Clemson. But it's a relatively minor qualm that I think could get worked out if if UCLA plays their way in. But I, I mean, look at this group, right? I think that for me, I was worried that Tennessee was going to be ranked ahead of TCU despite having the loss because they do have a win out over Alabama, which is a very good win. I mean, it, it is a win that deserves credit. Uh, I thought that maybe we'd see LSU move ahead of Oregon, even though LSU has two losses and Oregon has one loss. And obviously that one loss for Oregon is very bad and LSU's losses are slightly less bad. But uh, but at the same time, I think that they looked at what Oregon's been doing. I think that they took the totality of the resume into account. That's something that Boo Corrigan on the CFP show kind of mentioned is we don't want to get bogged down in one individual result. And I think that they actually showed that in a really nice way by putting Oregon at number six, LSU seven, uh, USC eight. And again, I, I think that UCLA should be probably in the eight or nine range instead of the 12 range. But it, it's in the grand scheme of things, that's a pretty minor detail. And I, I think other than that, they, they got this pretty much right. UCLA and USC will work itself out. They play, and then the winner of that's going to play the winner of Utah-Oregon, which is another big regular season game, and that'll be the Pac-12 championship. That one loss Pac-12 champ is going to be in pretty good shape either way because, again, as you look at the Pac-12, Oregon 6, USC 8, UCLA 12, they're all going to absorb each other. And absorption is good, as we've talked about on this show. The thing that I think what, that you're pointing out that would have made everybody nervous is that that spot where would a one-loss non-champ Tennessee potentially get in ahead of an undefeated Big 12 champ TCU, and they're making that case right now because Tennessee is not going to do anything more to enhance itself. TCU will if it wins out, and TCU is already ahead. So we did not – I think the discussion would have been, well, if TCU has the crown – They'll pass Tennessee later, but they're already ahead now, so we don't have to gnash our teeth about it for a week or two, which is nice. We are going to do something. We're going to go through back and forth and talk about which teams are most in control of their own destiny. How many win and in teams are there in this mix? And I think it might be as many as eight, which sounds weird, except they're going to be teams playing each other. So it's like, well, win and in. Well, yeah, but two of you are playing each other and only one of you can do it. So we're going to do that like in order. But first, I want to have a discussion about who we're going to kick out of this playoff discussion. A week ago, we added two teams when we only kicked out one, which rose our overall number of teams in our playoff discussion to 11. And one of those teams that we let in was Illinois, which then promptly, promptly went out and lost to Michigan State. We had four teams of our top 11 in our discussion lose last week. One is Clemson. Clemson now has one loss. One is Tennessee. Tennessee now has one loss. I did not put either of them out to the Twitter follower, Shahan. I only put out the two teams that absorbed their second loss and said, which of these two teams should be kicked out? And those two teams are Illinois and Alabama. And that vote was close. 
It was maybe a little closer than I thought it would be, but it's nice when votes are close. And the Twitter followers said 58%, 57.7% kick out Illinois, 42.3% kick out Alabama. But I will say this, Illinois has the number two and number three teams in the country in front of them if they win out. And if they win out, they will at least make their conference championship game, which is not the case for Alabama. I would not put Illinois very high on a win and they're in scenario right now, but maybe we should. Illinois has two losses. They play Michigan in the second to last week of the regular season, and then they will play the Michigan-Ohio State winner in the Big Ten championship game. So, and right now in these rankings, Ohio State's two and Michigan's three. If somehow it happens, Shahan, Illinois will at least be in the discussion as a two-loss Big Ten champ with wins over, let's say, Ohio State and Michigan or Michigan twice. Whereas if Alabama wins out, there's nothing there. Like they would need a ton of help. They would need LSU to lose. They would need Ole Miss to also lose. They still wouldn't win those tiebreakers. Like Alabama is not making the SEC championship game. So I think we should kick out Alabama and keep in Illinois because Illinois at least still has a path and Alabama doesn't. You took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah, baby. Brett Bielema. Bang. <laughs> For Alabama to make the SEC championship game. And let's just like, let's think hypothetically about a hypothetical path. For Alabama, they play at Ole Miss. That, that would be a good win, number 11. They play versus Auburn in their last game of the season. That's not going to be worth a whole lot. And for this to happen, LSU would need to lose both at Arkansas and at Texas A&M. And Texas A&M isn't physically capable of winning football games at this point. It's like a bug in their system. So the chance of them losing both those games against two pretty average SEC teams is very, 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 very low, uh, along with Alabama then sweeping their last two. And then they'd have to go and beat Georgia. So like those things probably aren't happening, man. Like they're, they're just probably not happening. Whereas again, Illinois, it's a very tough road. They have to play Michigan and then they play the winner of Michigan, Ohio state. So either you beat Ohio state as well, or you get Michigan twice. It's probably not going to happen, but you can win a conference championship without that much effort and win the Big Ten. And honestly, I'd be very curious, too, if we did end up in a situation. Now, it probably it probably wouldn't happen. It probably wouldn't happen. But if Illinois loses to Michigan, they have to play them again and beats them soundly. Like, they're probably not getting in as a three as a three loss team, but it would be the Big Ten champion. I still think of that team probably has more of a shot than a non SEC champion Alabama. Yeah, at least and, and like if Bama had games against the number two and number three team left, then we could say the same thing about Alabama. So, but as, so as we discussed this, I thought, oh, well, you know, it's, we'll kick out Illinois. They were only in for a week anyway. Um, they're much lower in the, the, the playoff rankings right now because Alabama is still nine. Illinois is all the way down at 21, but can you imagine what would happen to Illinois if they beat two and three? I think we should kick out Alabama. So the, the Twitter people said Illinois, but that's just one of the votes. We, you and I each get a vote. So if you and I agree on Alabama, then Illinois stays. We agree. Alabama it is. Yes. Goodbye, Al- Alabama. Um, um, goodbye, Alabama. Okay. That's okay. We'll have to text. I feel like we could maybe get the word to Nick Saban that Brett Bielema remains in the College Football Survivor Show playoff conversation, and he is no longer part of it. We need to get the the message to Lane Kiffin that Nick Saban is no longer a part of the College Football Survivor Show. He said, uh, looking up Brett Bielema's SEC record very quickly, <laughs> Brett Bielema was like, I'm going to the SEC. And then he was like, please get me out of here. 29 and 34 in five years at Arkansas, 11 and 29 in SEC play. He was 0 and 8 in his first year at Arkansas, 1 and 7 in his last year, had one winning record in the conference in between 5 and 3 in 2015. Well, 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 to be fair, he, he he was at a program that has struggled for a long time like Arkansas. He hasn't been at a Rose Bowl participant like Illinois that long. So, I mean, obviously, I think that you can't judge them on the same sort of scale. Now he's at one of the great programs in college football. Let's just do this really quick. Quick tangent. Better future, Illinois football or Alabama football? 
Who would you rather be <laughs> next five years? Who will be? No, we're not actually doing that. Who would I rather be? I, I'd rather hang out in champagne and just have a good time. I, I'm not jumping into that pressure cooker, man. No, it. I mean, it's like like Brett Bielema is the the king of champagne, and it's he's lost <laughs> to Indiana and Michigan State this year, and he's still. You guys, I, I love – there's a gif on Twitter of Brett Bielema walking in a baggy shirt carrying a golf bag, and he's like <laughs> slowly striding, and I just use it every time I mention Illinois on Twitter. I use that Brett Bielema gif. I don't know who took it. Oh, okay. so, so you're a, you're a gif guy. You're not a gif guy. You're a gif guy. Oh, no. We're doing that now. <laughs> oh, no. I'm a soft That's G. That's a discussion for another podcast. <laughs> I'm a soft G. I'm a soft G. Don't I come across as a soft G, though? <laughs> It's like, yeah, man. Is that how y'all do it in the Midwest? Oh, Doug, he's a G. I mean, he's a soft G, but he's a G. Uh, so, Listen, uh, my name is Jay Raja, okay? I, I know how that sound is supposed to sound. It's a J. I know. Now we're off track. Now we are off track. I, was, I thought we were off track with the golf gif or gif. Of Bre- Who was standing there with a phone as Brett Bielema walked by with the golf bag? Who is he golfing with? Go on Twitter and search Brett Bielema. He's striding like he's the king of England, but he has a golf. And why is he carrying his own bag? He's a millionaire coach. Don't you have a caddy? <laughs> so anyway, it's a Sunday. He's got the bright red, sh- uh, bright red shirt on too. Yeah, no, right. Yeah, he's got his tiger look. He's like, I'm going. I'm shooting 96 today, baby. I'm Brett Bielema. So Brett Bielema stays. Nick Saban goes because that's just how we do it. We're, that'd be another good. That could be, as we said, our, our cover band could be uh, Committee of Two, the Soft G's. For also, <laughs> be well, that's, well they're G's. Well. So uh, let's let's let somebody in. And this we also sent out to the Twitter followers at CFB Survivor Show. Three choices. Two of the choices we kind of been banging on the door and keep asking people. One lost Ole Miss, one lost North Carolina. We've had them in a mix, and they've never gotten over the top to get in. It's funny how I did not really think that LSU Ole Miss game a couple weeks ago was like a super important game in the college football playoff picks, and it turned out that it really, really, really was. So I put seven and two LSU now with this win over Alabama, the driver's seat in the division. Forty-five percent say put LSU in, thirty-seven percent Old Miss, eighteen percent North Carolina, and this was the team that a week ago, Shahan, LSU tenth in the rankings, and that caught your attention, and you said, "Hey, they're interesting. They're that high with two losses going into Bama. They have a path, and that let us lead us into this discussion about." Controlling your own destiny, win and you're in. Is LSU win and they're in? 100%. 100%. They have two losses. Both are forgivable, uh, forgivable, obviously the one to Tennessee. And right now LSU is ranked behind Tennessee. But of course, LSU has the opportunity to compete for a conference championship. I I think that's huge for them. Uh, The SEC champion, if they have two losses, is not getting left out. And they'd have an opportunity to beat both Alabama and Georgia over the course of a season. So if they pull that off, which I don't expect them to, but if they pull that off, that's as I mean, that's like the Illinois thing, right? Beating Ohio State and Michigan. That's that's totally undeniable to beat two teams and and potentially have two of the best wins in the entire country. So I, I think that. LSU is absolutely a win in their end team. The the degree of difficulty to pull off that finish will be very difficult because they have to play Georgia. But I absolutely think that they're a win in your end team. But the rest of it's easy. At Arkansas, this week, Arkansas is five and four. Then UAB and then at Texas A&M. And Texas A&M is terrible in three and six. So they're going to win the three games left in the regular season. And now here we are again. And we just, I think we did a good job on the Apple podcast show that I teased. My gosh, people were in this podcast for four seconds. And I'm trying to send them to another podcast. That's the Apple the Apple show. You pay $2.99 a month. You get four bonus podcasts a month. You get one every week. And I think we did a good job breaking down the rise of Georgia, where Alabama is, the historic nature of the changing of the guard in various conferences through the years. But we have, I think all of us, 
who are part of college football have gone back and forth on Georgia this year. They blow out Oregon. It's like, okay, they're back. They're going to steamroll everybody. Then they have the close game with Missouri. They had the close game with Kent State. And it's like, okay, like, are they about to lose here? And now they reassert themselves against Tennessee. So the Tennessee-Oregon version of Georgia, it's like, okay, well, I don't know. Like, I guess LSU could beat them. The Missouri-Kent State version of Georgia, it's like, okay, no, like LSU could beat them. Because guess what? LSU has a bunch of good players. LSU had a quarterback who who made some plays against Alabama on Saturday. Like, this is not pixie dust. The Illinois win and in conversation has a lot of pixie dust. I think I think Brett has some pixie dust in that golf bag. Brian Kelly, I mean, this is not imaginary. This is LSU. This is Brian Kelly. What do you have to do? We have to go and beat Georgia in the SEC championship game, and then we'll make the college football playoff. I don't know. What percent chance would you give that? Like, I think it's, I don't know, 15, 20. It's not 3%, right? Like, that could happen. No, I I was going to say about 20%. You know, I I think the question for LSU is, can they continue to run the ball at a high level? against this Georgia front. That's going to be the hard part. I I don't know that they've proven that to this point, but they have a a dynamic quarterback who you have to cover. He makes you cover all 11 men on the field and take account of them. Uh, Defensively, I think that they're going to do a really nice job. They've obviously showed some nice stuff. Uh, You know, their linebacker, Harold Perkins, who was SEC defensive player of the week this year, uh, this week, unbelievable. Just just an unbelievable player. I think that he's going to cause a lot of issues for Georgia. So, it's, it's like possible, right? It's conceivable. I don't think it's going to happen. I think that Georgia's going to almost revert to just steamrolling and, and just sort of say, we're going to not put the ball in play at all. But it's not impossible. Okay. And that's the thing you have to wrap your head around. But they have two losses. They have two losses. Well, they're the highest ranked two loss team. They're on a path, a, a pretty obvious path now to make the SEC championship game. And then when they get there, they're going to play undefeated number one, which provides all the opportunity in the world. So you get to this point of the college football season where it's like, well, do you want the opportunity or do you want the hard path? And LSU wants the opportunity. They've had the stumbles. They're not going to get there on the own. If they didn't, if they didn't have absorption principles at play here, we would not be talking about them this way. But they have the number one team in the country waiting for them in the conference championship game, which they're almost certainly going to get to. And then it's on. So that's real. And if they win that game, again, it's it, the only way they wouldn't get in would be if the committee took Georgia instead of them and said, well, we're taking an SEC team, but it's not going to be the SEC champ, which is the Penn State-Ohio State thing of a couple years ago, where Penn State beat Ohio State head-to-head. Penn State was the Big Ten champ, but Penn State had two losses. Ohio State only had one loss. But that didn't happen on camp- conference championship weekend. It was easier to ignore the head-to-head and penalize the two-loss team when it had happened during the regular season. It would be an exact comparison in terms of like resume, right? You're a two-loss conference champ, which is what Penn State was, which is what LSU would be, and you are a one-loss non-champ, which is what Georgia would be and what Ohio State was. And they took Ohio State and not Penn State. So it would have to be that's the only scenario that would keep LSU out, but I don't think that scenario can – I don't think it would happen – when it's on conference championship weekend, because they get too much guff for it. Like even if they believed it, I don't think two or three people, Hey, you know, one game, whatever, Georgia's still the better team. I think they would end up putting in both, but I don't think they would leave LSU out in that scenario because 13 people wouldn't swing that way. Yeah. I mean, I I think that, I think you're right. I would almost lock up the idea that Georgia would get in regardless. And, uh, but I, I think you have to put LSU in, right? You can't just say that games and championships don't matter. You know, that, right. that's a, that's an insane thing to set up, especially since we are moving into a world where the entire system is going to really put an emphasis on conference championships and winning those games. And again, if, if a team across from you is holding up a trophy at the end of the year and then you get to jump them in the rankings, that, that just feels ridiculous, right? That just feels ridiculous. Although it's happened. It has happened, and, and it feels ridiculous. And it does. I thought it was ridiculous at the time. Not a lot of people had, to talk, had had that much trouble with it at the time. I thought it was ridiculous at the time, and then Ohio State went and got shut out, and Penn State played a really good Rose Bowl against USC. And, and, lost and it was very funny. Game. Yeah, yeah, I remember yeah. that. And it was like, oh, no, we had to put that Ohio State team in. They have to be in. Because who else could go lose 31 nothing to Deshaun Watson? Only Ohio State would be good enough. That Ohio State team was not good enough to get in, and they got it anyway. Okay, I had on my win and in – 
who who controls their own destiny the most. I had LSU fifth on my list, and we just had a pretty convincing win and in discussion on LSU. At the very least, they are in our playoff discussion. So we continue to have 11 teams. Goodbye, Alabama. Welcome, LSU. The head-to-head win at least gets LSU into that Alabama spot. So we will continue to talk about 11 teams when we rank our teams and think about contenders. But first, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, we will go back and forth. The teams who control their destiny the most in the playoff race on the College Football Survivor Show. Don't miss the College Football Survivor Show bonus episode this week. Available only on Apple Podcasts. Usually when there's a big time changing of the guard, it's simultaneous. The great power fades because a coach retires or something else happens and somebody else rises up and takes it because you have to have both. It's hard to take it when the other guy's still holding on to it. Could that be what we're looking at here? You go ahead and be the person to like shove Nick Saban into retirement. I'm not saying that like he's at that Bobby Bowden stage yet, but I do think Kirby is grabbing and Nick not fading. It's not the right word. Absolutely is not the right word. But if he is 10% down, if the program is 10% down of what it was and Kirby is seizing, maybe we're in the midst of a transition. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts for exclusive College Survivor Show bonus episodes. Doug and Shahan back. Make sure you're reading Shahan J. Haraja at cbssports.com. Where would you direct uh, some some folks to some articles that you've written lately or anything that's percolating, Shahan, with what you're doing? Yeah, I I did sort of our wrap-up piece this past week. I kind of got a little bit deeper into actually what we were talking about, about, uh, you know, the idea, and and it's part of the overreaction section, that – Maybe we're moving into a post-Alabama and Clemson era for the 2010s were defined by these two programs. And actually, I saw a great stat uh, from our friend Ralph Russo over at the Associated Press that this is the first time that uh, Alabama and Clemson have not been in the top six in any poll ever. But there's been a top six that hasn't had at least one of at them. At least one of those two teams. This is the first time ever. So – that's crazy. <laughs> that that feels like a, that feels significant. That feels like a real new era in a lot of ways. And both of these teams have an opportunity potentially to fall even further. So uh, I, I'm definitely curious about uh, about sort of the future for those two teams that I kind of explored them over at CBSSports.com. All right, so you guys can go read that. If you like his talking, then you like his writing. That's usually how this works. It's the same brain. It's just what hole it comes out. Either your mouth hole or your hand hole. Ah, whatever your hand is called. I guess it's not a hole. Uh, what? I call, you know, I call my hand, I call my hand God's fork. Because I tell this to my wife all the time. Like, are you, ever, are you ever eating a salad when you're driving down the road? Are you ever eating a salad when you drive down the road? No. Do you ever do that? No? You no. never do that? I eat salads when I'm driving down the road all the time <laughs> because I'm trying to be healthy. <laughs> and a lot of times people would frown on you if you eat a salad with, now I don't put dressing on my salad because I'm like a little bunny rabbit because I'm a soft G. <laughs> So I use – I don't put dressing on my salad. I like the taste of lettuce. And I eat the salad with my hands. And people I think would look at you weird like you eat a salad with your hands. And I say, this is God's fork. I don't need a man's fork because think (laughs) of this device that you have at the end of your arm. How nimble it is, how dexterous. The grasping motion you can make. What's better to pick up lettuce and all the other vegetables in a salad, the chicken, right? What's better, a fork, a plastic fork, or your hand that has like five flexible tines? This is a perfect thing. I want to be clear, okay? I'm South Asian. You don't have to explain to me the use of hands uh, to eat food. That's very common in in South Asian food. But – Eating a dry salad while driving, that just all of that combined is ridiculous. Living that is dream. ridiculous. No, that no is, dressing. That might be the most distressing thing I've ever heard about you. That's that's like serial killer stuff. Just eating dry lettuce out of a bowl. That's crazy. No, lettuce, chicken, and croutons. That's all I really need. What? So that's happy. all you put in your salad? Maybe like a green pepper. But that's about oh it. Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. What no, is that's happening? All I need. But oh I eat gosh. it with my hand. But it's better than eating French fries every day. I, I will say, I will say, I it's not that I don't eat when I drive, but salads are notoriously difficult to eat because I actually like put stuff in it and on it. Uh, I don't just put 
leaves and maybe an occasional pepper in it. <laughs> you know, you, you, you toss a vinaigrette on there. No. You toss, a, you know, some tomatoes or something. No. I, it's, it's, no. I have. No. Oh, so, my goodness. And then, and then I always say, and then when your hand is all messy from eating your salad, you wipe it on God's napkin. And you know what's God's napkin? Oh, no. Grass. Oh, no. Like, you ever, like oh, what, my hand's messy. You, are you outside? There's a whole <laughs> field. Wipe your hand on the ground. It's made for it. He's got you covered. It's for real. You don't need anything else. You got everything you need. To be fair, if uh, if you had told me a year ago that I'd be talking about salads with a Midwesterner, this is this is probably still about best case scenario. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so try it. I would just say eat a dry salad while you're driving down the road. Okay, so what we're going to do, we're going to do controlling. Shahan is not in control of his own destiny because he's on this podcast with me and he can't get out of it. He's like, in terms of controlling your own destiny, he's in the teens on this list. Who's your number one team for – and this is going to be some obvious stuff, but we still want to talk it out. Which team controls his own destiny the most? Uh, It's Georgia, and it's because Georgia – can lose in the SEC championship game, and I don't think it changes anything for them. Uh, they have the wins that they need to this point. They obviously have that dominant win over Oregon. They have that dominant win over Tennessee. Uh, look, you know, whatever happens in the SEC championship game happens. I don't think it's going to matter. They're going to be in the top four, and I, I don't think it takes that much more to make it happen. And, uh, you know, looking at the, the rest of their schedule, which I don't have up right now, obviously they've got Georgia Tech remaining on the schedule. That That should be an easy one. At Mississippi State, then at Kentucky, and then home versus Georgia Tech. You know, it's it, at Mississippi State and at Kentucky aren't horrible games by any means, but they're games that Georgia should win pretty easily. And so I, I think that they're going to run through the rest of their schedule without a problem and uh, they can get to the SC championship game and either they will be the number one seed based off of that or they'll be like the number three seed because they lose close to LSU, who will also be in. They certainly can lose. And if they, they could lose in the regular season and then have to maybe have to beat LSU in the championship game. And again, I, I don't know. Do you think like Kentucky can rise up? Can Mrs. Both Kentucky and Mississippi State are six and three. So they actually have a tougher regular season game than, for instance, LSU has. But they do have a ton of wiggle room and it would be a collapse at this point. They have to lose two of their final four to not get in. It would have to be a collapse where you lose and that, to Kentucky that just feels and LSU. impossible after watching them last week. Yeah. And they, and they don't have, again, they're right in the middle where. They have a they have like a tougher schedule than LSU, but not as tough as the team that I have number two on this list, which is Ohio State. And I'll just say that I have Michigan third. Yeah. Do you same. have those? Is that so? They're two and three, but only one of them can get through because they have to play each other. Ohio State has Indiana at home this week, and then goes to Maryland. And again, like 2018, Ohio. Last time Ohio State went to Maryland in 2018. It was a game in the 50s, and Maryland missed a two-point conversion to win it, and that was the week before the Michigan game. So it's like, okay, well, if, if you're not prepared, could uh, you know? Okay, Talia actually, dude, we, we haven't talked about this on on the podcast. What the hell am I supposed to take from what just happened last week? Like, what oh, the oh, absolute oh, the po- hell? The game? I, yeah, the game? what am I supposed to take oh, from that? Yeah. Well, one of the things was that when I was at Northwestern for that weekend, I got hypnotized. So you could take that from it. <laughs> All right. I got all right. hypnotized. That was fun. I also ran in a 5K during which I ate seven donuts. So that oh, happened. So oh, that weekend, no, that, no. that's 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 how a soft G rolls on the weekend in Evanston. <laughs> so, sounds like a, a fun visit back to your alma mater, huh? It sounds like a, is, is that what you do? You just run and get hypnotized? Get hypnotized and eat donuts? Hell, heck yeah. I mean, like, what else do you think we do in Evanston? What was the wind at your back or was it at your front when you were running? It was both. It was it, just like just like Ryan Day tried to manipulate some quarters. The wind was at your back, and then you had to, you could try to throw the ball. In some quarters, you were going into the wind, and you had to run it. So this is a great topic of conversation in Ohio at the moment because everybody is saying, "What was that?" and "What are you to make of it?" And Ryan Day did talk about that on Tuesday. I think Ryan Day kind of realizes maybe he didn't do a great job calling that game in really crazy wind conditions. Jim Knowles, the defensive coordinator, was talking about it, and he said, you know, it's like, hey, have you ever played in a game like that? He's like, yeah, when I was at Duke, we played in a hurricane. And I was like, okay, well, you're Jim Knowles. And it was like, well, did you go back and watch film about that? And he's like, no, I lived it. So, like, Jim Knowles is like, <laughs> Jim Knowles is like, man, what are you man. talking about? I'm a cowboy. Like, I don't – and Ryan Day – A cowboy who went to Cornell, by the way. What's Cornell? He's an Ivy a League Cornell cowboy. cowboy. From Philly. <laughs> <He's>, yeah. <laughs> 
He's everything and nothing all at once. He went to Oklahoma State and was like, this feels right. <laughs> so Jim Knowles was like, hey, wind, you know, I've been through wind. And Ryan Day, admittedly, was like, Ryan Day, as soon as he came out of the game, was like, I have never been part of anything like that before. And then on Tuesday, he was talking about how he was going back and watching NFL games. At the end of last week, he was watching a Browns-Raiders game from 2020 where the wind in Cleveland was nuts. He was watching that Bills-Patriots game from a couple years ago where the Patriots ran it like 90 times, I think, and beat the Bills in a snowstorm and trying to adjust. And I think he knows in the midst of that, he he was asked a question about – the, the mess in your head where you're trying to figure out, should we just like get in the eye formation and run the ball? Or should we kind of try to do what the game plan was? Cause we had these great skill players. And he was like, that's exactly what I was doing all game. My head was exploding. I didn't know what to do. So I think the thing that Ohio state will take away from that is the next time they play in 40 mile power wins under Ryan day, I think they'll better handle it. So I do think that tells me they better hope it's not 40 mile per hour wins on the last Saturday in November against Michigan. Or I'm not sure Ohio State's going to like how that game is going to go. Because in that situation, I said, it's like a cliche. Oh, you got to be able to run the ball in the Big Ten in November. And it's like, all right, not every game's in a blizzard, people. Mostly it's just a little bit cold. But then like every 40th game is, right? I mean, this is still like, the. it wasn't a blizzard at Michigan last year. It wasn't a blizzard. It snowed a little bit. But these are the moments that make everybody, they're all going to say it now for the next 50 years. Oh, you got to run the, and they couldn't. Like, they didn't get the push on the offensive line. They got out-schemed on the numbers a couple times. There was a fourth down where there were seven blockers and eight guys to block, and the unblocked linebacker made the tackle in the hole on fourth and one, which Ryan Day said that was a – you know, that's a, a, an equating the numbers issue. Um, the, and, like, the, there was everything. Like, they couldn't run the ball. But as I keep saying, would you rather have Michigan's offense? Would you rather have Ohio State's offense? Like, what would you rather have? If you're an Ohio State fan, I wouldn't want to trade it, but when it's 40 – what would Michigan have done in that? They would have handed the ball to Blake Corm 50 times and won by 30. I, I guess my question is, so like how do you factor in the fact that a very, very smart football genius head coach doesn't know that when it's windy outside, the ball is harder to throw? Like because CJ Stroud threw for fewer yards than Northwestern did. That that feels impossible. That That does not feel like a real sentence that anybody should be able to say. It was very odd. I mean, so the one thing is, right, they tried a tight end screen. They didn't really throw screens. They, they're, Mayan Williams had a hand injury the week before, and Trayvon Henderson didn't play. So I asked, like, could you not throw screens to your backs because the back who's the best at catching screens didn't play, and the other guy had a hurt hand, and he was like, there's no excuses, no excuses. I think that factored in a little bit, but they just got caught in between. And they've gotten – that's happened a couple times this year when the run game has not worked. And then it's, do you do you try to work it out or do you just say the heck with it and throw? Because the pass game pretty much always works unless it's 40 mile per hour wins. So it was a very odd game and they were into the fourth quarter. They were a one slip by a safety, right? Of, of the, and a Northwestern guys out of the house and then Northwestern goes for two to take the lead. They were one slip away from being behind in that game because they didn't put it away until the final minutes in the fourth quarter. So it wasn't great, but what does it mean? They're going to play in the Big Ten championship game indoors and either indoors or in warm weather in the playoff. So they'll be fine. But they have to play Michigan outside in Ohio in November to allow that to happen. And that is not fine if the weather is bad because they are not getting a push on the offensive line and they are not scheming it up and their backs are not making enough guys miss. Mayan Williams had an incredible individual run for their go-ahead touchdown where he just ran the ball on third and three and ran two guys over and ran in for a 27-yard touchdown. There was no scheme there. There was no great block. It was a dude doing an individual thing. But the run game is not good enough right now. So like that is real and it might matter. It might, but it won't definitely matter. Like, it's possible that Ohio State remains a not very good team running the ball and is hosting, hoisting, hoisting a trophy in Los Angeles in January. That is still possible because pass game defense might be good enough, but it also might be their undoing against Michigan. It might be. Yeah, as long as the weather is good in Ohio in November, everything will be fine. So, my. And again, you're not, you don't live here. Correct. It's not snow and wind it's november it's not 
February and it's Ohio, it's not Montana. So like it, it you know, yes, it might <laughs> be bad What's the weather. difference, man? I, I don't know the difference. <laughs> I think there's more trees in Montana. Is that the, is that the thing? We were just having a conversation about driving in Texas, and I was like, is it all tumbleweeds? And Shaham was like, there are trees here, Doug. There are trees in Texas. I'm, I'm driving on the edge of East Texas, man. There's lots of trees. I, I will say, I, I uh, one thing that was going viral on Twitter the other day was like, you kind of put together the map, the map of like, here's where you've been, here's where you've stayed, here's where you lived, and and every Texan that I knew just like had a giant like circle around the like main Midwest because nobody like has ever been there because there's not like a reason to go unless you like have a reason to go you know and so it's just like uh so yeah that's kind of where I'm at I've been like everywhere in the country except for the Midwest so I feel like one of these days I have to change that I will say you you host you co-host a podcast twice a week with a guy in Ohio. It's so true. if I'm not reason enough for you, Shahan, then I don't know what is. Um, okay, so I do think Ohio State and Michigan are two and three here because it's clear Michigan has a little bit of a harder path because they do have to play Illinois, and I know Illinois lost to Michigan State, but we've already talked about Illinois as kind of Michigan light, and that could be interesting. And just because Illinois had a bad game against Michigan State doesn't mean they're not a good team who might push Michigan a little bit. Ohio State should not have a problem with Indiana or Maryland. But there is room, I think, for the loser, as we have talked about. There's room for the loser, but it's – they clearly – I mean, it's obvious, right? Because I think even the winner of that game, if that winner gets to the Big Ten Championship and loses to Illinois or Iowa or Wisconsin or Purdue or whoever that's going to be, that team is not going to get in. I still think there would be room for like, well, they're going to put in somebody from the Big Ten, and it's the one-loss non-champ who lost to a three-loss team. So I do think the winner of Ohio State-Michigan is is pretty much guaranteed in, and I think they will get their 11-0 versus 11-0. So it makes sense to have them second and third on this list for controlling their own destiny. I agree. I agree. And I do think the re- the reason to me Ohio State is even two is because Ohio State's at home. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. Well, and, and Michigan has the other game, too. Michigan has the other game. Michigan has the other game, which is tougher. I, I don't know, like, again, like, if you just asked everybody on the committee or asked everybody, like, who's better right now? Who's better? Who's a better team? I think previous to the Northwestern game, like, would have been a fairly overwhelming response in Ohio State. I think that response might be less overwhelming. I think it's still Ohio State would be the answer, but Michigan, I think, is closing the perception gap at least. Yeah, I. it's so interesting to try to compare these two teams to each other because Ohio State just checks so many of the boxes of what you think a good team is. And Michigan, I feel like I, I've repeated it every week, I'm waiting for their quarterback to have to do anything. Right. He hasn't had to do anything in any game this season. And guess what? You can't do that against good teams. You have to do something. I don't know if you suck. I have no idea. But maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe I need to not be thinking so much about uh, what Michigan can't do because what they can do is pretty dang incredible. Yeah, they're good at what they do and they know who they are. And that really matters. OK, so who, who do you have fourth then? If we agree that it's Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, who's fourth on the destiny path? Yeah, four teams left that are undefeated in college football. We named the first three. I think the fourth is number four on our list. That's TCU. Uh, I, I think at this point, to get through the schedule and still be undefeated and be number four and have multiple games in front of them uh, against good teams, including a game against Texas this week, they're going to rematch somebody in the Big 12 championship game. Uh, I will say their their path is still really hard because they have to play so many good teams along the way, I think, to, to make that happen. But I, I think that TCU, if they go 13-0, they're a lock to me with the way that things are laid out right now. The fact that they're already ahead of LSU, I think, is a huge deal from that perspective. And uh, I, I think that also this is not going to be a time when only getting a half championship like they did in 2014 is going to screw them out of three spots. They're going to have that championship uh, boost as well. So to me, 13 and OTCU is a stone cold lock. Okay. So I agree with that. I agree that they're a stone cold. They're not a lock at 12 and one, but I think they're in pretty good shape at 12 and one as a big 12 champ. They play Texas and Baylor yet in the regular season. There are three teams with two losses in conference that are fighting to be the second team in that big 12 championship game. And it's Texas Baylor and Kansas state. 
they play Texas and Baylor. So if they take care of business and play Texas and Baylor, that would open the door for Kansas State to be the team that faces TCU if Kansas State takes care of business that would face TCU in the Big 12 championship game. But I think even a world where they say they lose to Texas or Baylor, but they're still, they only have one conference loss and then they win the Big 12 championship. The fact that the the ACC teams are as far down as they are right now, that TCU is four and Clemson is 10 and UNC is 15. And that's looking like that championship game. I do think the Pac-12 champ, that we'll get to them in a second, but I definitely think a world where like it's a Big Ten champ, an SEC champ, the Pac-12 champ, and 12-1 and and TCU as the Big 12 champ feels very possible to me. I don't think that they would be desperately behind either Tennessee or the Ohio State-Michigan loser. I th- The fact that they are fourth here is a big deal. And so 13-0, and a lock, 12-1, and I think in better shape maybe than we would have had anticipated a couple weeks ago. No, I totally agree. And I think that Alabama losing is a huge help to them from that perspective because it does sort of take some of the oomph out of Tennessee's win, right? If it's a, a number 12 Alabama or whatever it's going to end up being. So I I think that at heading into last weekend, I felt like Tennessee was totally fine no matter what. But losing the way that they did against Georgia mixed with Alabama losing, I think that those two things take them out of very good shape to questionable kind of shape. They, they need some things to go right for that to happen. Uh, you know, and, and I think that TCU versus Oregon is going to be an interesting discussion. Maybe, maybe they aren't able to compete with some of those top wins, but it's going to be close. And I also think that there's a good chance that a Pac-12 champ and TCU have losses left on the table too. So they're put in a good position right now. I, I think that as things stand right now, they should still feel really good about staying ahead of LSU uh, because LSU has so many teams left to go. But uh, so, yeah, I, I think that they should feel good about where they are. And again, heading into this week, I did not think that that was going to be the case. I thought that we were going to come on this podcast and have to complain about TCU again. But finally, I think they've got it right. All right. So we have TCU four. I had LSU five in yeah. this conversation. Do you agree with that? I agree with that. I, I think that LSU has a one-win playoff, basically, right? A play-in game against Georgia. If they win that game, they're in. If they likely lose that game, then they're out. And it's as simple as that. All right. Who would be six, then? I have Oregon. I also have Oregon six. Okay. What's the case for Oregon here? I think the case for Oregon is that they already have a bunch of really good wins. That that has to be said first. Uh, they'll have a few more tough games coming up, but they already do have uh, a good win over UCLA. They have a good win over Washington State. They have Washington, Utah, and at Oregon State over the next three weeks, which is not an easy path. That, that's pretty tricky, I, I think, in some ways. Uh, but assuming that they get through those games... They're going to be 11-1. and They're going to have multiple, multiple ranked victories. They're going to play uh, the winner of the Battle of LA, most likely in the Pac-12 championship game. That's another opportunity for potentially a top 10 win. So if you're Oregon right now, I I think you have to be feeling very good. And also, by the way, your only loss was to maybe the number one team in all of college football. So I I don't think it's going to age that badly regardless of what happens to Georgia. The, The loss is what it was, but I think the fact that they've already been forgiven to this extent... Uh, tells me that they're not eliminated by how bad that loss was. So let me ask you this. So we have them sixth on the list. The two of the teams ahead of them are playing each other. So one of those teams is going to be knocked out. They, they can't all win in there. And then we have LSU ahead of them, but LSU has to play Georgia. Let's just say that the expected happens. So you have an undefeated Georgia as the SEC champ, and you have an undefeated either Ohio State or Michigan as the Big Ten champ. And let's just say TCU is undefeated, which is kind of a, Bad scenario for Oregon, but also, okay. I think Oregon is winning in in that scenario. I do not think 12-1 and Oregon as the Pac-12 champ would lose out to Tennessee or the Ohio State-Michigan loser. So we have them sixth on their list, but I am very close to thinking they are, like they are, I think the only scenario that keeps them out is LSU beats Georgia, and that takes up two SEC spots, then you have the Big Ten champ and you have undefeated TCU. I think that's the only scenario where Oregon would win out and not make it. So I feel like they are in very, very good shape for winning in. Like, very good shape. No, I totally agree. And I I think that 
that scenario that you laid out feels pretty unlikely. One thing to mention is, you know, to, to get back to that Ohio State versus Michigan discussion, I don't think that either of the losers of that game have the schedule to be able to carry their way in. I, I just don't. Who, who are you kind of selling at that point, right? For Michigan, you'd be selling a win over Illinois, who might not even be ranked at that point. Uh, for Ohio State, you don't even have that. Like, I guess the Notre Dame win maybe comes back into play a little bit, but that's not making a playoff case at this point, right? So I, I think the loser of that game is out. I don't think that there's a chance that both of them can get in just with the way that their schedules have also matched up. It, it, unless there's nobody else to put in. Right, right, right. If we're in a scenario where those are the only one losses, then sure. But but I, it would be very difficult to get to that point at this point. So so I just think it's a it's a pretty it's a difficult pass for path for Oregon, but considering where they were after they lost forty nine nothing to Georgia to open the season, you know they they have everything they want right in front of them, and they do have this Utah game, and then they have the Pac twelve championship. But it, it is, and then you know this is exactly the kind of season that Oregon State, which is a pretty darn good team, would love to spoil in that rivalry game. But I do think it's real, and then I had USC seven right behind Oregon for. Almost the same reasons because they have a very close loss to Utah. That's a good loss at Utah. They play UCLA. They play Notre Dame. And Notre Dame, I mean, a win over Notre Dame would look better and better. And then they have the Pac-12 championship game. So they would, if they win out, they would finish with three very good wins to end the season. And it's almost the same case as Oregon of like, I just don't think they would be left out as a one-loss Pac-12 champ. In unless that very specific two-team SEC scenario would happen. So, so let me ask this. Am I missing something? UCLA has beaten Washington, who's ranked. Their loss was to Oregon, who is the team leader right now in the clubhouse to make it. They already have a win over Utah, and then they get USC, and then they probably get Oregon again. Like, what am I missing? Why is UCLA not regarded as highly as USC? Because I've also, also having watched both of them play... I don't think that USC has been more dominant than UCLA either. It, I, I don't think it's an eye test thing. I, I just feel like we assume that USC is going to do this or that, but they kind of don't have a whole lot of great wins on their resumes yet. So I do think the Notre Dame opportunity enhances USC and UCLA is not going to play that game. So they have more opportunity for enhancement uh, that's left. Everything else that's left is the same. I, I think that I more mean like right now, though, right? So like what what is USC's best win that they're pointing to right now? And, and, and this is a team that I have in my top 10 and on the cusp of the playoff, to be clear. But I don't know what USC has done to this point that's more impressive than UCLA. So that, and, and that the playoff rankings have USC 8 and UCLA 12 is what you're asking here. Um, I will say I, I, because I'm sort of reflecting some of my destiny path based off playoff rankings, I will say I had Oregon six in the destiny rankings, USC seven. I have Tennessee eight and then UCLA nine, just because I am at the moment acknowledging the kind of lack of respect for UCLA expressed by the playoff committee and the fact that they don't have that extra Notre Dame game to gain respect. So that's why I have, Tennessee squeezed in between. I think mostly it's all the same and it won't matter. So like, why is it happening now? I actually think you bring up a very good point, but if they beat USC and then they beat Oregon or Utah in the PAC 12 championship game, and they're a one loss PAC 12 champ, like I don't think it will matter that much. I think based on the rankings right now, their case would be slightly worse than Oregon or USC in the same situation, but I don't think worse enough to really make a difference that I don't think that's the opening for Michigan to get in. That like, oh, we have to root for UCLA to be the Pac-12 champ, and then Michigan will make it as a non-champ. I don't think it's to that degree. I think USC, Oregon, and UCLA are mostly in the same bucket. But if you're asking right now, why is it Oregon 6, USC 8, UCLA 12? I think the answer is I don't know. Well, uh, don't worry. I, we just got the transcript from uh, Boo Corrigan's phone call. Uh, let me read you verbatim his answer to this exact question that I oh. just read. I, I just read it five seconds ago. Uh, the one, I think the one point lost by USC at Utah going for two, the emotion of that game is something the committee has certainly talked about the job that Caleb Williams has done with 28 touchdown passes, one of the top offenses in the country, putting up 41 points. What? What, what does, oh, yeah, that's just word salad. What? Speaking of salad. <laughs> like, and they said, that being said, there's a lot of respect for UCLA in that game with their one loss being to Oregon by 15 at Oregon. 
They they also have two ranked wins. What are you talking about? Uh, what? Oh my gosh. I, I I have to stop. I I I can't cover the playoff anymore. I'm done. I I bad enough. Sometimes I do just think it means whoops. We'll have UCLA ninth next week. Sorry. <laughs> Which I, I'm fine with. Like, I would rather them just admit it because there is nothing to this point. And, and I preseason was talking about USC as a potential playoff contender, as a potential Pac-12 champion. This is not me thinking that USC does not have that potential in them. And they've done everything they need to do to this point. But UCLA's actually done it. They've actually played the games that people are saying that USC could win. I, I, I just don't get it. And uh, again, it doesn't matter necessarily. They're going to play two top 10 teams to close out the season. And I think if they're 12 and one, I feel like they're in. I, I don't think that we're at risk of them just completely getting forgotten about, but come on, man, come on. I, I just, uh, the gap between five and 12, between Tennessee and UCLA the way they're thinking about UCLA right now, I just think in a way that's not as true for USC or Oregon, I think a playoff where Georgia, TCU, and the Big Ten champ are all in, I think 12-1 and Pac-12 champ UCLA versus Tennessee could get hairy in a way where I think Oregon and USC would be okay. I just And, and I'm not saying that's right, but like reading the rankings right now, do you think that that's possible? Like as much USC is similar to them, but I think that twelve versus eight for USC is significant enough that it that it could make a a difference in a specific scenario. It could. I, I do think UCLA still has to play number six and number eight, right? Like that is a murderer's row for your last four games. So I think that would be enough, but also I'm stupid, and I thought that TCU had a chance to make the first college football playoff, and th- now I can't wait to see how it doesn't happen this time. Shahan, they moved, they put TCU for this week. That was the thing they worked on getting right. They messed up the UCLA thing. They'll have UCLA ninth next week for no reason. It'll All be right. fine. I, I and I will respect it. I will absolutely respect the process as long as it ends with my preferred outcome. <laughs> That And that is every playoff discussion in a nutshell. <laughs> we have one more thing about destiny I want to talk about, then we'll do our rankings before we get out of here next on the College Football Survivor Show. The College Football Survivor Show, where playoff survival is always on the line. So I do think Tennessee needs help. So Tennessee, they're not out of it, but they need some stuff to happen because the world of Georgia, the Big Ten champ, TCU, and a Pac-12 champ just feels very real and possible and that they are up next, but I don't think Tennessee controls its own destiny. Like, do you, Is that fair way of saying that in your mind? Yeah, I would, have, I would have said heading into Saturday that I felt like even if they lost that game, they would have, but the Alabama loss throws a huge wrench in things. It, it really devalues, I think, that win uh, in the eyes of the context of the committee. Because now all of a sudden Alabama is all the way down at number nine. It, it, that's just not a spot that we're used to seeing them, of course. And Tennessee to close out the year versus Missouri at South Carolina at Vanderbilt. So they'd almost need the – so they need TCU, of course, to lose. And they'd need everything else to just be incredibly chalky, like incredibly like, and I don't know. I mean, they, they need Pac-12 teams to lose. So, so no, they don't have control of their own destiny. I still think they're in decent shape. I, I still think that it won't take that much to get them in, but it's, it, I, I don't think it's going to be nice and simple for them. And again, like for good or for bad, they're going to win their last three games without really impressing anybody because they are against four and five Missouri, six and three South Carolina and three and six Vanderbilt. So they're going to get to 11 and one, but their chances to impress people are gone. But now the thing is they have wins over LSU and Alabama and that that. That's still that's still they've beaten number seven and number nine. And when it gets down to the end, that to me is like where the UCLA crack is right as good as whereas. Well, I mean, and I know UCLA has the games that you said that are left. So I, but I don't think Tennessee is at that point. And then I do think that the ACC is probably on the outside looking in at this point. And I actually think North Carolina has a better chance of making the playoff than Clemson does because 
North Carolina can still beat Clemson, but Clemson can't beat itself. And Clemson is 10th and US, UNC is 15th. And now that Clemson has such a convincing loss to Notre Dame, and both these teams are one-loss teams that lost to Notre Dame, UNC, North Carolina at 15, I actually think like, well, if they blow Clemson off the field and, hey, everybody's been underestimating them and their Notre Dame losses is, is, is further in the rearview mirror, right? That I think that North Carolina case at 12 and 1, all right, now what happened in the Pac-12? What happened in the Big 12? Maybe they can get in. I think Clemson's done and Clemson's out. Is that pretty close to the case? Honestly, I, I think that I think they're both out. I think that looking at Clemson falling all the way down to number 10 feels like a big deal, right? That feels like a pretty big deal. It's not it, even Alabama stays ahead of them with two losses, right? Like they're being grouped more with the two lost teams than they are with the one loss teams at this point. Uh, LSU's three spots ahead of Clemson right now. I don't think that anything can happen in the ACC right now to to save Clemson. Uh, Wake Forest falling out, I think, is a huge deal, too, when it comes to uh, Clemson's resume, because they did lose to NC State. So I, I just I don't think they have a pathway. I don't think the ACC has any pathway to get in right now. LS, or excuse me, uh, Louisville, Miami, South Carolina for Clemson waiting. And Wake Forest, Georgia Tech, NC State for North Carolina, NC State's pretty good like even nc state just has a couple more chances to impress impress than clemson does um but they they both would need i think like a great deal of help they both would need real chaos in i think both the big 12 and the pac 12 and i think tennessee and the big 10 loser of ohio state michigan would both be in better shape than the acc champ at this point so they would really need they would need, I think, four or five weird losses to open that door back up. So they are way down that rankings. But I do think in the end there's about seven, seven or eight teams that truly control their own destiny. And it's that it's going to work itself out with three of the Pac-12 teams. It's going to work itself out with Ohio State, Michigan. It's going to work itself out with Georgia, LSU. And then everybody will learn the way in. So I do think – I think people are going to earn it. And I think maybe if we thought that fourth spot was potentially going to be really goofy, I think it might be – less goofy than we think but again get back to us next week when four teams get upset i agree i agree <laughs> let's do our rankings we have 11 what no yes 11 teams in our rankings right because we added um lsu and we kicked out alabama and we kept in illinois so i will tell you again i think we both feel pretty good about the playoff rankings this week so do we both have georgia number one like the committee Yes. Do we both have Ohio State 2 like the committee? Yes. Michigan 3 like the committee? Yes. TCU 4 like the committee? Yes. Tennessee 5 like the committee? Yes. Oregon 6 like the committee? Yes. All right. This is where I don't have LSU quite as high. The committee has LSU 7. Who do you have 7? I have LSU 7. Okay. I had USC 7. Who do you, The committee has USC 8. Who do you have 8? I have UCLA 8. Okay. I also have UCLA 8, and the committee has UCLA 12. Uh, I have LSU 9. Who do you have 9? I have USC 9. Okay. As do I. I mean, not as do I, but I also have USC up there. The committee has USC 8. The the committee has Bama 9. We've kicked out Bama. So our last two spots are are Clemson and Illinois, the last two teams we still have in. As much as we just eliminated Clemson, they're still in our rankings. Who do you have 10? You would have 11. Clemson and then Illinois. That's what I have also. And I think Clemson might be leaving soon because I think we just made the case for why Tulas, Illinois. We just said Tulas, Illinois has a better (laughs) path than Tulas, Alabama. Tulas, Illinois has a better path than one loss Clemson. You'd rather be Brett Bielema than Dabo Sweeney right now because Clemson is out of opportunities and Illinois is awash in opportunities. All they have to do is beat number two and beat number three. And then maybe they'll get in. Yeah, I, I know that if there's uh, one thing that I've often heard, it's uh, beating the team that people call a rich person's version of you. It seems like really easy. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. I know. So, yeah, so that's – but again, but at least you have a chance. I'd love to be – don't you want to be in the Illinois meeting room right now? Brett Bielema talking to these guys. They're motivated by the loss to Michigan State. Oh, they're going to be fired up. Woo, fired up. <laughs> yeah, uh, God came to Brett, uh, to Brett Bielema and said – 
you can win one Michigan game this year. Which one do you want? And he's like, give me them Wolverines. Give me them Wolverines. But I'll tell you what, too. Uh, I've seen the SEC or sorry, the, the Big Ten's new television contract. Being a being a poor man's Michigan pays pretty well still. Still yeah, pays there actually uh, pretty is no well. such thing as being a poor man's anything in the Big Ten right now. <laughs> Absolutely not. That exciting Big Ten West race that everybody's thinking about with Illinois at four and two in the conference and four teams at three and three almost will be decided this weekend. Illinois Purdue is huge game number one this coming weekend, and Iowa Wisconsin is huge game number two. Because <laughs> guess what? The fighting Ferences are getting it together, baby. I don't know what happened, but somebody gave them a jolt. <laughs> Has anybody ever called Rutgers the a poor man's New York Jets? Like I feel like I feel like that there's like a lot of cultural similarity there, and I'm not just saying Italian people. And they're both on fire, man. Woo! They're, they're both, both on, on fire. fire. The Jets just beat the Bills. Rutgers is going to run the table. Talk that about controlling crazy. your own destiny. That was crazy. I still can't believe that. I love college football. College football is great, man. All right, that'll do it for this version of the College Football Survivor Show. If you guys want more of this, that Apple Show comes out the day before this show every week. It's a bonus episode. We try to go off on a little tangent, dive in on some things that maybe other people aren't talking about. Um, Just look at college football with a playoff lens, maybe in a little bit of a different way. So we certainly would invite you to join us there. Even if you just want to, yeah, let me do it now for a month and see what I think as we get to the the stretch run of the playoff here, $2.99 a month, right? And then you get four free episodes. Well, I guess they're not free. They're for the two ninety nine. So there's seventy five cents an episode. We'd love to have you there. Love to have you subscribe on Twitter, CFB Survivor Show. That's how you get to vote on who's in, who's out. And uh, if you're listening, make sure you're subscribed so you get this version of the podcast at least every week, right there on your phone. For now, for Shahan J. Haraja, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was the College Football Survivor Show. The College Football Survivor Show, where playoff survival is always on the line.